This podcast is not intended to serve as therapeutic advice or to replace any professional treatment. These opinions belong to us and do not reflect any company or agency. Hi, this is Wendy. Hi, this is Matt. Welcome to the United States of PTSD. Wendy, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. I, I, I do want to give a little shout out to all the people who are who are following us. Yes, And we oh have gotten gosh. a lot of positive feedback, and we hope that that continues. If you also have any things that you would like to for us to talk about, feel free to contact me or Wendy about future topics. And we should have a website up and running soon with an email address that we can put and link to the podcast information. Absolutely. So if anybody has a uh, topic, they can send it to us that way as well. Yes. We're figuring it out. We are totally figuring it out as we go. (laughs) So lovely. Wendy, I know you have a topic. I just wanted to say quickly that, you know, last week you, or last time we did the episode, you talked about shootings are like New England weather. All yeah. we had to do was wait and, you know, uh, change. Since our last recording, which was literally seven days ago, there's been more than 10 shootings. And there was one today in Washington, D.C., and it's just nauseating. Oh, my God. Okay. I, 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 it's absolutely horrible. And I think I the, the sad reality of what we have to accept is it's not going to change because it's too no. profitable. Yeah. I mean, there's too much money made in gun sales, and, you know, we, we, we know the NRA owns the company, just like Big Pharma right. owns the, con- you know, the country. Oh, I so, remember, what, was like a year ago that they said the NRA was going under because yeah, I mean, it's, it's out of money? It's all lies. Uh, all lies. So how uh, do we, so, you know, again, that's why we're doing this podcast, yes. to figure out how to learn to live in a constant state of war, basically, because yes. that's, that's where we are as a, as a country. Yes. And with war, there are traditionally heroes and villains, which is kind of where we're going with this podcast, right? So do you want to explain it, Wendy? Absolutely. So um, speaking of absolutely, (laughs) uh, the title for the episode, I think, is Absolutes? Absolutely not. And this is not a plug for Absolute Vodka. No, although, hmm, just saying, I'd be okay with that. As we've talked about, part of my escapism is watching TV and watching thing, things that we are, I don't know, that, that are just kind of escapism. Myself, along with a few million of my closest friends, have been <laughs> watching Love is Blind on Netflix. So <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Which I get it. It's because I'm happily married. Sure. So I can absolutely like watch um the horrors that unfold. <laughs> um and and the good stuff. I don't wanna immediately be black and white because that's um what I wanted to talk to you about. So at the reunion special, which apparently broke Netflix for a little while. This is, <laughs> this is Love and Blind reunion yes. special? Okay. So, during the reunion, more than at any other time. Okay. <clears throat> so, the reunion is the time where, m- more than at any other time, people are kind of cast as either heroes or villains. Mm-hmm. And just to recap, <clears throat> since I know you're, <laughs> you're not watching it, um, the premise is... Boys on one side, girls on the other. So apparently in, in oh. pod world, it oh. is just um, the binary binary yeah. gender <clears throat> and 
And hopefully it's men and women and not boys and girls, right? Because <laughs> that would be a whole other show. Uh, that would be a whole <laughs> other show. Four couples ended up falling in love, mm-hmm. proving that love is blind. Um, and three couples got married. You know, the whole sight unseen is the whole pull and plug for it. Sure. But as you're watching everything, you know, it, the episodes are about an hour long, so they're editing out at least 23 hours a day. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just obviously... <laughs> you're drunk. Yeah, you're getting a <clears throat> snippet of what the overall experiment, that's what they call it, um, what the experiment is actually like. So at the reunion, you have the cast was in this situation about a year ago. So it has been, you know, they've been living their lives since then. But then the social media piece, when all of this stuff is edited into quote unquote perfection on Netflix and then everyone in the world has an opinion about everyone in the quote-unquote cast. Mm -hmm. And it really struck me how just vulnerable you have to be in order to go on a show like that. And I understand some people want fame and some people want the attention and that kind of thing. But if you're going to bare your soul to like 15 other people in the course of a few days, like, I don't know, it's just... That's a lot to sign up for if you're just looking for your five minutes of fame. So, and regardless of how you act, whether you're pushing the narrative that you're wonderful or you're pushing the narrative that you're horrible, um, or if you're not pushing a personal narrative at all, you're portrayed as one or the other. And that is not how existence works. Yes, you are correct. Um, <clears throat> I have watched one or two episodes okay. of the show, so I mean, I do know a little bit about it. All right. Um, so it's I, right up there with Friends for you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've actually probably watched more of that than I have Friends. Okay. <laughs> so. Good to know. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> I think, you know, there's a couple things. Obviously, the, the draw to reality TV is bigger now than it's ever been before. Yeah. And I use reality loosely because we know a large majority of it is scripted and edited mm-hmm. for the most part. I don't know about that particular show. But we do know in the past, I've known people who have been on reality shows. And they have said things like the director will say, look over in that corner and pretend that you're really angry. And they do it. And then when they watch the editing, it's actually been clipped into them looking at somebody that they're yeah. supposed to be angry at, even though the person was never there. So, I mean, we know there's editing, especially with all the, you know, the, the TV shows with cooking and they have 20 minutes to make something. When in reality, they have hours to make something. They're mm-hmm. just editing out all this time and making it seem like it's this big thing. So, you know, you always have to look at it as though they're not real to begin with most of the time. I'm sure there are some that are more real than others. But to go back to what you said about this kind of like good, bad narrative, I mean, that's probably as old as recorded history. Right. Where there there has to be this villain, there has to be a hero, and things are seen in, in extremes. You, as we talked about before with the pendulum, you know, if you look at our, our political system is so divided in its extremes and everything about our culture is one extreme or the other. People don't naturally live there, but we're becoming more conditioned 
to be on one side or the other, which is a problem. And I, you know, I think the other element is social media. Yeah. Social media has many positive benefits to it. Getting reconnected with people you haven't seen in a long time. And I have heard people say, well, you know, if you didn't stay connected to them in the first place, you didn't really want to. But that's not always necessarily true. Right. There have been plenty of people I've reconnected with that we lost touch because we didn't have the ability to keep in contact yeah. at the time. And, you know, life happens. Yeah, you and I, for instance. Right. right. Or yeah. even the fact that I was able to find my family that I didn't know yeah. through, Same, by through the way. social yeah. media. There are lots of positives to it. I think it has swung to the side where there's now more negatives than ever. And that... I do think it's something we have to look at as a culture and how do we fix that. So with extremes, what were your questions about it? Like, where were you? So I, there was, and I, just to back this trolley up a little bit, um, there is one woman, Irina, who has been billed as, you know, the demoness. She is... Okay. Um, somehow less than human. I think she is 21, which, good Lord, me at 21? Like, forget it. Like... <laughs> I mean, there's so much that you don't know, but that you think you know, and that's just dangerous. I think seeing her, she just looked shell-shocked to me. With the feedback with, she got? With, I think she knew going on, and I'm... And I don't follow social media with mm. shows like that because that's just getting into... Like, if I want to hear nasty things about people, I'll talk to my family. Like, <laughs> I just love you all. Yeah. Like, so it was clear that she knew that she was the villain in mm. the stories. And she also. it was also clear that she knew her quote-unquote role in the moment, mm -hmm. that she was meant to go on and apologize for how she acted, say that she has grown and all of the things um, that villains are supposed to say as they are, I don't know, transforming into a better person. To, to add to that, though, and I, <clears throat> I think this is important to recognize, is the term villain is subjective and time-specific. Yes! So if you think in, in the past where people have been seen as villains only to be later shown that what they were doing was actually for the better of humanity or vice versa, people who have been seen as heroes. And that Mother Teresa is a great example of that. When I was growing up, I used to think Mother Teresa was like the greatest thing. She's this big martyr. She's this wonderful person. Only later in life did I find out that she really was not that great of a person. I mean, she she was about human suffering. People had to suffer to be closer to God. And that's not, that's not healthy. Yeah. So I do think it, it's subjective for both perspective and the time that has happened. Yes. Now, which is more immediate. And yeah. I think the way it changes is, is quicker. And I think what you're saying is that because of maybe her age or her life experience, or not just her in particular, but when people go into these scenarios, they don't necessarily realize the potential ramifications for what it's going to do to them both psychologically and maybe professionally down the road. Is that yeah, that's so it just in looking for escape, I, <laughs> I ended up in my very own prison of like, I, I honestly just felt so horrible for everyone that was on the show. And I felt guilty for watching. Oh, because you were because I felt like I was a part of this narrative that wasn't it wouldn't be famous. Right. If people stopped watching. Yeah. So it's almost guilty. You're saying like you feel a sense of obligation because if her life becomes ruined, her life, the reason why her life was ruined in the first place was because she was given a platform for people to watch, knowing that somebody on the show has to be a villain. Is that... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think in general, yes. And it just, I think my, the thing that I really left with was no one, not one person is just like quote unquote good or quote unquote bad. Like that, right. that do 
does not exist. And from that, it just made me, you know, really pause and think about um, every side of every huge debate we have, especially in this country. Mm-hmm. There is a good there's side. A, there's a right and wrong. Yeah. Even when it's you not. Even when you said it earlier, this is something that I. I, a student of mine actually had brought this to my attention one time, and I, I thought it was very poignant, something I had never thought about before. It was when you had said things are either black and white, like we yeah. look at things from black or my perspective. And this student, he's a student of, of color, and he pointed out that using the term black term and black white, white is actually racist. Yeah. And I thought, what? Like, And then he explained it. He's like, because yeah. which side is, is right? White yeah. is good. Black is bad. So by mm-hmm. saying it's white and you know, instead of white or black, you know, you're kind of saying good or evil, mm-hmm. and we know which is which. So I actually try not to use that phrase anymore. Noted. Because, <laughs> because you know, you don't really think about that stuff until it's pointed out. But right. that's part of unearned privilege, which is, that's a whole nother topic uh, for another day. Yes, my privilege is always showing, like, and I know it. I'm very, I'm very sorry, and I try to do better. And I know that's, that's obviously a different topic. But, yes. And we can absolutely do a whole episode on that. But to get back to what you were saying about feeling bad about this it's tough because again these are my opinions by the way these are not reflected (laughs) in anybody else i think that there's a certain amount of social responsibility that people who step into any sort of public forum have to know yeah and you know i've seen celebrities debate this they feel like they shouldn't have to have social responsibility and that they can do what they want you can, but when people idolize you, you you can't just pretend that's not there. You can't just say like, okay, well, that's not my fault. People idolize me, so therefore I don't have to have that. I think that's wildly irresponsible. So when somebody goes onto a reality show, they they have to know on some level that there's a consequence for it. They may not know what the long-term consequence is, but they've seen enough. I would imagine she watched episodes of the show before she went on the right. show. Just like total self-plug here. I applied for The Circle. And if anybody from The Circle ever listens to this, I would love to be The Circle. <laughs> but, you know, I know. Like, if, if if I were cast in that, you know, I there are certain risks I may run going into it if, if I were on that. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of what you sign up for. So, therefore, when you're saying, like, I feel bad... Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, as consumers, we should actually be looking for better things and as people. But again, I think there's a, there's a certain response of, there's a certain amount of ownership that yeah. you have to take for that. In, I'll give you certain times I think there are exceptions. So there was this show, I don't know if you remember it. It wasn't huge, um, but it was big in the gay community because I think it was in their mid-90s maybe. I think it was called Boy, Boy Meets Boy, I think. It was this reality show where they had, it was like The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Basically, so you have this gay single male who had all of these men that he was supposed to kind of go on these dates with and yeah. then figure out who he wanted to be with. What he didn't know, and he didn't know this going into the show, was half the, half of the men were straight. And at the very end of the show, he had picked three guys that he liked the most. And that's when they disclosed to him, okay, two of them are straight, I think, or one of them was straight. If you pick the straight guy, he wins X amount of money and you get kind of nothing. Oh my and god. If you pick the gay man, then we'll pay for you to go on this, you know, vacation or whatever it was. That to me was despicable. Oh um, my gosh. It was the yes. producer's part. And, and whoever wrote the show, I mean, it was just disgusting. That I think is a sense when you're going into something and you have zero clue what's going to happen. Because it was a, it, the show like that had never happened before. Oh. So there was nothing to watch. And right. so I, I think in those cases, there are people who are victims. But when you go on a show knowing there's a certain amount of drama, somebody's going to be cast into a villain. I think people have a, an innate, people should have a sense of what their personality is like to begin with. So if you are this like sweet person, they're never going to cast you in the role as a villain because you're not going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I do think that there's some of that. 
there. I agree with you it, to a degree. I think that I think there's a lot of not so good stuff happening like behind the scenes sure. on purpose, which is horrible. But I don't know, like it just I think we could absolutely spend the rest of our days like discussing whether or not who's at fault and who has the ultimate responsibility with for their actions and and whether or not it it helps or hurts to hold people as Mm -hmm. heroes or villains. All right, it was just a reminder, I think, at the end of my day that I need to be more curious about those things that I dismiss as bad or good Mm -hmm. because there's nothing that that's that's wet or dry. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, when I one of, there's a couple of things I encourage when I'm when I'm working with my students, particularly when they're writing papers, but just in in their normal day to day narratives when they're talking to clients, is using things like always and never or good and bad because they're super. Well, first of all, good and bad are really subjective. I think independently they they have like 53 meanings. If you know you look in the dictionary, yes. there's a lot of meanings for both words. Brene Brown, that shit, and, people. And if I say to you, you know, if you if you say how are you and I say I'm good, people just kind of say like, okay, that's great, you're good, but. It doesn't really tell you anything. You know, I could be happy that day because I just ate, I ate a good meal, or it could be because I just got a raise, or mm-hmm. it could be... I mean, you have no idea what that means. Always and never are extremes that don't exist. They rarely exist. There are very few things in life that are always or never. One of the biggest things I see with couples, for example, when couples are coming in for therapy and they're having problems, is they speak like that. They'll say, like, he never does the dishes. When in reality, he does. He may just not do them, you know... The same frequency. The same frequency. Or, yeah. The problem with that thinking is that, one, it defaults to good and bad. So now the person who's always doing, who's always, and I put that in quotes, doing the dishes is the good one. And the person who never does the dishes is the bad one. But then when the person who doesn't do the dishes does them one day and then does them the next day and then Wednesday forgets to do them and then the other person comes back and says, see, you never do the dishes. It discredits all of the work the person did beforehand and then they don't want to do it anymore. Right. Why would you? Well, you wouldn't. And that is the problem when we live in those extremes because their good can't exist unless there's an evil balance to it. Yeah. So, and I, I'm wondering too, and if I'm getting too far off the beaten path, then, <laughs> then kick me back into Oh, life. we don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an unintentional potential commercial break. So... I'm thinking that when, like, especially with relationships ending, mm-hmm. and uh, just to catch everyone else up on this, um, I have an ex-husband um, who I married twice and divorced twice. Turns out I was right. I just didn't think that I was right in the way that I was right the first time. Anyway, I absolutely cast him as... The villain. The villain. And in part to protect myself... I think. Absolutely, admittedly, there are things that both of us did, said, felt, what I'd like fill in the uh, verb here, that were not either of those things and sometimes were one or the other. But I think part of my issue as I'm grappling with this nonsense of wet or dry, <laughs> um, that at one point, actually at two points, <laughs> I wanted to marry him. So what does that mean for if he is the villain? Then what, like, was I duped? Like, was was he that good of an actor? Like, the, the mental gymnastics that you have to do to make the villain thing stick, does that 
serve a good enough purpose for for us to have to view things in that wet or dry or can we let go of the things that we need to let go without having that extreme does that make sense (laughs) there's so much to unpack there (laughs) um i'm not even sure where to start so i'm just gonna go on the next seven seasons (laughs) i'm gonna go with a couple of things that i picked up okay if i forgot obviously you know refocus me And this could be one of those things that, like, for him, was like, no, she's the devil because she brings up 800 things to unpack. But go ahead. So I apologize. (laughs) All right. So the first thing I wanted to point out was, and I I believe it's in Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, he talks about being right is an act of violence. And I actually agree with that. I think when we are so bent on proving that we are in the right and we did nothing wrong, you can only do that by hurting the other person. I mean, that's why wars start. Wars are all about, like, this person is in the right, this person is in the wrong, let's fight. Yeah. Right? So that in itself, I think, is, is problematic thing. I agree. There is, for the large majority, and I've, I've done, just to preface this, I was in couples counseling myself uh, with the therapist I told you about. That's actually why I started going to her. And then I had another couples therapist afterwards who was freaking awful. Um, and I've done a lot of couples therapy myself. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I, I'm talking from obviously experience the amount of people that stay in a relationship because the first two months was good yeah five years later they're still looking for the first two months that was good i should say healthy because we're trying not to use good it's a trap it's very similar to using drugs so if you talk to somebody who uses any cocaine heroin whatever their drug choice is alcohol the first time they get that feeling it's never going to be the same as like the 30th time they get it they're always chasing that initial high relationships are no different so if somebody has this this fantastic fantasy like honeymoon period which Mm -hmm. most relationships start off in a honeymoon period it's it's not real similar to the show that you're talking about if you take somebody and you put them in a controlled environment where they don't have to pay their bills mm-hmm. they don't have to go to work they have everything done for them they're living in a mansion i'm assuming they have Pause. all their basic needs taken care of yeah you're right in probably the most beautiful setting possible it's probably on some island and you know everything's there well no shit they're going to be happy <laughs> it's fake you take all that stuff away and then you put the real life back in and there there's a of course there's a there's a normalcy to trying to get back to that original thing that you had. The hardest thing for most people is realizing that's an illusion. That never existed to begin with. It was a yeah. fabricated thing that happened. You don't really know somebody until you've known until you've dated somebody for about a year. Right. That's when you actually really start to know somebody. So I, I don't know if that That totally helps. And I'm gonna give you throw more things at you to unpack. Um, (laughs) so I had known my ex, I think I had met him, uh, like a few times, uh, before I was raped. And one of the reasons that we connected was because he was like, he was, I don't know, stable enough to allow me to be off the deep end about the rape. Like he would just listen to me, which was wonderful. He found out he had cancer. I had been raped. So we were like the broken couple, but that led us okay, to believe you weren't, you weren't broken. broken. Okay, you were. Damaged. You were both no, <laughs> no. You were both traumatized. Heavily bruised. No, you were both traumatized. <laughs> traumatized. Yes. We, I, I think we have to start now and thank veering you for... away from all of those negative things we tell ourselves because that's why we end up staying stuck in situations like that. Yeah. Nobody's broken. Well, there's a few people I can think of that are broken that <laughs> in very powerful positions, but in, in the reality, most people are not broken. So it's a small gotcha. amount of that. Yes. 
So we were both traumatized, mm-hmm. holding hands, skipping into marriage, thinking like, if we could get through that, we could get through anything. And, you know, cut to like not even a year later. There is, a, shit. there is a thing called trauma bonding, though. When people have traumatic okay. experiences, usually it's when they go through it together, but it doesn't have to be together. It could be that they've gone through two separate traumas, but at the same time or, or yes. similar you can you can bond that way and that's actually some of the most difficult relationships to get out of wow because during your most vulnerable time they were a safety net yeah I can give you to, to go back to the hero complex something I used to see all the time and this would drive me up the wall um, and you know I, I'm trying to really work on as we talk about this episode seeing people who are in the villain role as also being people who are hurting. Sometimes I forget that. Something I would see working with women in recovery is there would be this archetype of this older guy who would come in at some point in time mm-hmm. and would save her. So yeah. he would come in and he would pay for her um, food. She could live with him. He would bring her to treatment. Mm-hmm. He would do all of these things to try to make her better. Then she would get better. Mm-hmm. And she would start to realize, okay, maybe this isn't really a healthy relationship. Maybe I shouldn't be here. And that same person who was originally the hero is now the one buying her drugs. Because he needs her to relapse so that he can now be the hero again. I can't, I can't even count how many times I saw that happen. Wow. And, you know, it, it does go back to what you said about, you know, we're both, we're both. We're like the hero and we're the villain. And, you know, you can't. You can't really... It's very few, few people fall into like one extreme. So I think that's an, an excellent point about no one fitting neatly in that little box that we want to put them in. Right. And knowing that, I am going to challenge myself to try to see people outside of that little box. Mm-hmm. Which it, it is. It's hard to do. Yeah. Especially if it's something that we don't like seeing or we don't want to see or if it, it exposes a part of ourselves that we don't like. When we're turned off by people, when we have strong reactions to people, sometimes it's because we're seeing things in them that reflect us that we don't like. Yeah. So therefore we have really strong reactions to it. Yeah. I have an amazing friend who says that whenever she's immediately annoyed by someone, um, she's got like this voice in her head that says like, what am I supposed to learn from this person? Mm-hmm. And it's just strikes me as so wise. Like, of course. Well, it is. It is. Yeah, I, I remember hearing, you know, growing up, you always hear, like, the opposite of love is hate, etc. But the opposite of love is apathy. Apathy, yes. It's not hate. So if you hate somebody, you have to care about something that mm-hmm. the person's either representing or the person themselves, because otherwise you wouldn't have enough feeling to be angry at them. Yeah. You just wouldn't care. You'd just be like, all right, whatever, who cares? But it doesn't have to be particularly that person. It just has to be something that they represent. Right. That okay. you are attached to. Because again, if you don't care, you, you don't care. You don't think about them. They don't rent space in your head. But if they're if every day you're waking up saying, I hate somebody, I hate somebody, I hate this person. Well, you've got to really look at that. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> but I, I, but I, I think there's there's a lot that we could learn from not living in those extremes right. and reminding ourselves that things are not always bad or always good and things are never either. Right. And we have to work really hard. It's ingrained in us. Again, to go back to what you were talking about, it's so complicated. And that's why I said there's so much to unpack because there's also the message, particularly for women, that if you are single and you're not in a relationship, there's something wrong with you. Right. 
Yeah. And if you're in an unhealthy relationship, sometimes it's easier. And by easy, I do not mean easy in the sense of like effortless because right. it, it's not easy. Never. It's, I should say it's not as scary. It's not as scary to stay as it is to leave. I did this exercise and I actually don't know where I got it from. I wish I could coin it for myself, but I, I didn't make this up. I learned it somewhere where when I'm talking about if I'm doing a training for my class or other trainings and I'm talking about domestic violence because people will say, well, why do they stay? They should, I, just, they should just get out. Yeah. Because yeah, it's that easy is I'll have somebody stand in the middle of the room and then I'll, I'll go through the class and I'll say, why? Like if you were one of the students, I would say, Wendy, why do you stay in the relationship? And you say, okay, for the children. So I'll say, okay, Wendy, get up and go hold on to the person in the middle of the room. You represent the children. And then I'll say to the person in the middle of the room, can you get away from Wendy? And usually they say, of course. Then I'll add somebody else. Why do you stay? Money. You have that person go up and hold the person down. Right. Can you get away? Yeah, it's a little harder. After the seventh or eighth person is holding that the original person down, they can't move. Yeah. And when people see that visual, they're like, holy shit. Like, I didn't realize how many things actually keep that person stuck. It's heavy. It's not as easy just to say, like, okay, get out of it. I mean, you have to systematically get rid of every single one of those things that's holding that person in the relationship. Right. Well, unfortunately, our entire country does that to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have to look at ways to systematically deprogram that and say, like, okay, how do I... You know, if, if cell phones are a great example. I mean, you're... You know, you remember life before cell phones. Yeah. And now we are convinced we can't go to the store Door without, without our cell phone. Oh my God, yes. I fall into that too. Like, I will freak out if I can't find my cell phone. But there were times where, you know, I was wasn't even near a landline. Uh-huh. And didn't worry. But it's, we just get, we get so programmed into these things. Yeah, no, you absolutely do. All right. So I will endeavor to look past the wet and dryness. <laughs> That's going to be the new. Of things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, there's some way to make a, joy, a joke about moist being in there. But... Oh, moist. <laughs> I think we just had 50% of our listeners turn the station. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> but then that makes wet bad. All right. That's going to have to think of. So there's no, there's no good or bad. There's no. I think that, you know, I think we'd be remiss to say that there are certain things that are not morally good and bad because there are yes right there, there are definitely things that most cultures can agree this is something that is either inhumane or something that right. does not benefit people just like i'm sure there are things on the positive side as well so i don't want to say that they don't exist it's just rare that they exist i had a friend once tell me that when he experiences road rage like if somebody is cutting him off on the road or driving like a jerk, he will say to himself, maybe their mother's in the hospital. Maybe they just found out their dog died. Maybe yeah. something happens. Like, you know, you we kind of go to these, these awful places in our head about why the person's a jerk, but we never give them the benefit yes. of the doubt. Yeah. Or we, again, I correct myself, we, we sometimes, we often don't give them the benefit of the doubt. And that's, it's problematic. And I think the other thing that also goes to what we're talking about is the fundamental narcissism we have as a society that is also created. Yeah. If you took the stuff that you talked about, the, the extreme thinking, and the stuff that we've talked about in the last couple of podcasts about the pendulum and how it swings back and forth, and you were to put those extremes in a person, they would be labeled with a personality disorder. Yeah. Because that's what people with chronic personalities tend to do is they tend to idealize and then vilify we recognize individually okay if somebody exhibits that there's something mm -hmm. wrong with them 
But then when we do it as a culture, we're somehow okay with it. We're somehow okay with it. And that's, it's a problem. It hurts my head and not in that good Sudoku way. (laughs) (laughs) Sudoku is, now that you want to talk about evil. (laughs) For those of us that hate numbers and math. Oh my gosh. Things to ponder. So, So to go back to your original question about the show Love is Blind, did that... It just struck me that we use those sorts of absolutes of the good or bad um, as like a a security blanket. Like if you get to label someone else as bad, then that means that you must be good or something. I don't know. So like a personal comparison. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's funny. As you're talking about this, I I remember. Do you remember Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling? Oh my God, yes. I'm not talking about the Netflix show that came out, but the the original Gorgeous. Which is also amazing, by the way. I actually couldn't get through season two, but that's a whole other story. <sighs> okay. So, par- partially because I don't think anything can top the original. Okay. But I remember, you know, you talk about good or evil. Uh, when I was watching it, my favorite villain was Godiva. Do you remember Godiva? Oh, I don't. And my favorite good girl was mm-hmm. Sally the Farmer's daughter. And I remember oh my that, gosh, I totally remember. I remember they were wrestling, because they wrestled a couple times, and I was torn as to who I wanted to win, because <laughs> they were both awesome, and I'm like, but I should be voting for Sally, because she's the good one, but I love Godiva, but she's bad. Like, having that eternal dialogue yeah. with something as silly as that, you know, so I mean, it does, it affects us in the way we think, if we perceive things as good, or if we perceive things as evil. And like I said, it's time subject. I mean, there were points in time in history where you and I would be considered evil for various different things right. and killed. So, I mean, it's, and there are still some places in the world where that would happen. So it's, it's entirely subjective. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to look for ways to rethink in order to try and muddle through this existence at this point. Something that you have to remember, and this is for all the people who are listening is, you know, last week I talked about interjects and you, all of these negative messages that you get are ingrained. They've been there for a very long time. It is hard to change them overnight. If, for example, I said to you, Wendy, what's five times five? You would say 25. But if... And don't ever do that to me again. But, but, (laughs) say it wasn't. Okay. Say you found out that it was 26. And now you're like, wait a minute, I remember being 25. And then you find out that everything you remembered about the multiplication table was off by a number. How long would it take you to relearn all that stuff? Ages. A very long time. So you have to look at the way we develop our psyche the same way. You can't just say like, okay, great. I have this light bulb goes off. Now everything's going to change because it doesn't change that quickly. It requires that's a super lot, helpful. It requires a lot of work and it requires a lot of repetition because that's how we learn. We, yeah. we learn by repetition. People get really frustrated if those changes don't happen immediately. And then they default back to those, oh my God, I must be a loser. This is too hard. I can't do it. You know, I was doing it for two days and now I'm not. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do to yourself. You have to be compassionate and say, okay, this takes a long time to change. And if I go a week without doing it and then I do it one day, it doesn't eliminate the fact that I did all of the work for a week. Going back to the dishes. Going back to the dishes. Yeah, absolutely. Which going back to, you know, I, I talk about recovery a lot just because that's my, that's my clinical background, but 
One of the things that bothered me is when people have, you know, they'll they'll have, say, five years of sobriety mm-hmm. and then they relapse and they're like, I lost the five years. No, you did not lose the five years. Like, stop thinking like that. It's it's my personal clinical opinion is that it's a destructive thing to tell somebody you have now lost all that time and you have to start all over again. No, you didn't. Yeah. I don't care if you used for the next week. You still had five years of sobriety. Now you have five years and a day with a week gap in between, you know, and that's, I think that's a lot healthier. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, not to compare addiction and weight loss, but... They're, they're very similar, to be honest with you. People don't, people relapse the same amount of times on diets yeah. that they do on drugs. There's no difference. So I had the opportunity to work for one of the larger weight loss chains. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was absolutely one of the things that came up over and over and over again in sort of the training materials that we would share. And it was you know, not to necessarily encourage people to have a binge day or a cheat day or whatever you want to call it day, but to track that just as you would any other day where you were eating quote unquote healthy. Right. To be able to look at that without shame to learn from it. Right. And that that's it's incredibly important to take the shame out as it is to take out expectations and what we tell ourselves about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. The, a lot of our stress and a lot of our anxiety comes from the story we add to something. So if you and I both got into a car accident. Wow. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. But, it, but let's say it was the exact same thing, the exact same damage. We have the exact same insurance and you walk away from the car accident and you say, today's the best day of my life because I could have been killed. Mm-hmm. I had insurance to cover the car. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then I walk away from the accident saying, my God, that was the worst day of my life because now I'm late for work and I have to go get a new car. And that's just really crappy. Mm-hmm. The incident didn't change. The perspective changed. And that perspective now becomes your reality. But if you take all of it out and you just say, I got into an accident, I had insurance, I I now have a car, everything's okay. Or even take out the okay part. If you just look on the facts... It's just facts. Right. There's nothing attached to it. And where do we get facts anymore, by the way? And I don't want to... This is a whole, again, a season of different episodes. You... Not you. I used to be able to, like, read a textbook and be like, aha, yes, these are the things. These are Mm -hmm. the facts. Not seeing things that are clearly opinions and not facts. Um, It's very rare that we have something that is distilled down to there was a car accident. Yes. And... I think we all... It's a great question, and it's one of the negative parts of social media, is that we are inundated with false everything, false information all over the place. People are quick to jump to conclusions without actually reading what's going on. Part of it is because of the sensational headlines. I mean, I do think the media owns a huge chunk of that. One of my friends wrote a book, and he refers to media as mass weapons of destruction, and I actually kind of agree with him on that. I think it's. Yeah. Uh, I think they do a really awful job of... Well, actually, I think they do a really great job of keeping us divided. I think the... The best practice is to use your experience with other people's experience and things that are known to be true. Okay. One of the things that really annoys me, and this is an example of not doing this, is having worked in healthcare for a long time, Mm -hmm. worked with insurance companies, all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff, to have people who have zero experience with health insurance, mental health, or working in the healthcare system telling me what's wrong with it. 
mm-hmm. drives me up the wall because they have no clue. That's a, I think people have to be really mindful. I'm not going to go to a mechanic and tell him how to fix my car because I read online what to do because I don't know the first thing about fixing cars. I think people need to stay in their lane for what they really know about. That, that That's just my opinion. So you are like sparking off the thing that absolutely throws me over into the deep end. There in my profession, which is in training and development Mm -hmm. of an adult workforce. Most of the friction that I come across is that people assume that they can do what I trained to do. Right, because they read it on some... (laughs) They spent five minutes reading an article about it. Yes. And they would never attempt to do brain surgery having read an article about... Well, you don't know that. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I do believe some people would. <laughs> yes. Which, which I think goes back to what I said about us becoming narcissistic as a, as a yeah. society. People believe that they know everything. And that their box is the only box that matters. Yes. And it's getting worse and worse. You know, so how do you fix that? Well, I think we, we go back to, one, not living in extremes. Two, I think we need to get back to being humble and understanding yeah. that it is impossible for one person to know everything and that we do have to rely on other people. Blows my mind that we don't have to go to the library to like look stuff up. So it seems like we still have things to talk about. We do. I think we could probably talk about this particular topic a lot more too. Indeed. It. We are honored that so many people are listening to us. I just want to say that again. Yes. And we can't appreciate you guys enough for supporting us until next week have an (laughs) awesome week and remember tell your alexa to let you know you're fabulous (laughs) this week that's right (laughs) rethink everybody take care